2: Learn more at proplansport.com. Colin Coward Podcast presented by FanDuel Sportsbook. No better place to bet the action than on FanDuel Sportsbook during the football season. There's a lot of reasons. It's America's number one sportsbook. Incredibly easy to use. Super safe. Totally secure. Super fast payouts in as quick as two hours. You're not going to get that anywhere. Also, same game parlay bets. Live betting. It's the best. Hey, if you're new, just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. I did it in 15 seconds. Get started now. Sign up. Please use the promo code Colin so they know we sent you. Please use the promo code Colin, C-O-L-I-N. FanDuel Sportsbook app, sign up. This is Prime Cuts, the best of the Colin Coward podcast. Some of my favorite people this week: Cowboy Insider Matt Mosley, thoughts on Dallas's dominant win over the Falcons. Boston Institution reporter Tom Curran, all sorts of Belichick, Brady, and Mac Jones nuggets. Chad Millman and I discuss our most interesting bets for the NFL Week Eleven. I was sort of amazing last week. I hope you heard. But first, my top takes of the week. You know, there are certain times when the media goes overboard on stuff. Like OBJ, the drama between the Browns and the destination landing spot, the Rams. It's really, he's at best the number two receiver for the Rams. The media's given it more coverage than it deserves. And that happens a lot, where the media covers something. It's a player that's interesting, a player that's dramatic. You know, OBJ is just not changing games in the NFL. He's not changing lines, but he is a unique player. LA Rams are an aggressive franchise. The Browns are historically a tire fire. And then there's times that the media doesn't cover something. And I'm shocked by it. I could not believe, and I said it, and I've said it 15 times, when Kevin Durant left a dynasty for the Brooklyn Nets. I thought it was a staggeringly horrible decision. The best Arguably after LeBron, the best player in the league, leaving a dynasty, the best run organization for a losing culture, the Brooklyn Nets with no great history and choosing Kyrie Irving flaky to his core over Steph Curry, the most selfless superstar NBA player probably of my life. Now you're seeing as Curry goes into Brooklyn, drops 37 and the crowd is chanting MVP for an opposing player. I have no idea why KD did this. There is no comp in the history of sports where a player could have stayed with a dynasty. The dynasty had all of its parts, was a significantly brilliantly run organization, and leaves for an inferior point guard that had baggage and an inferior organization and inferior momentum. You're seeing it now play out. Stephen A. Smith finally addressed it the other day, almost post-mortem. And like the Nets feel like they're sort of, right? They're sort of dead. Harden's not the same player due to a rule change. Kyrie's not available. They still really don't have a great bench. I don't know why it wasn't covered. I think it's the most undercovered covered sports story in the last couple of years. It is unbelievable to me that Kevin Durant, do you realize if Kevin Durant stayed, they would have drafted Jordan Poole, right? That was the draft after he left. Well, they would have drafted him had he stayed. You would have KD, Jordan Poole is a is a borderline all-star, Steph, Clay, and Draymond. Now, James Wiseman, that pick you wouldn't have had. That was a number one pick because you tanked. But the media overcovers many things. I'd be the first to admit it. We have under I haven't, but the media has undercovered how. Unbelievably regrettable KD's decision was to go to Brooklyn. I want to talk about Green Bay and Seattle. There is an understanding that Aaron Rodgers will probably test the waters after the season. I do not think he can do better, in my opinion, than Green Bay. They develop offensive lines as good as anybody in the NFL, not named the Patriots. He's got a number one receiver and two very capable backs. A.J. Dillon now is a great compliment back to Aaron Jones. Cross our fingers on Aaron Jones' health. He left that game early. He's got an offensive coach, great home field advantage, and I think the defense this year is the best the Packers have had since their Super Bowl winning year. Let's talk about Russell Wilson. I've been told by people I trust in the Pacific Northwest, he's not happy, he wants an offensive coach, he doesn't feel like he has a creative offense, He has some say in it, but not as much as he'd like. We all assume Aaron Rodgers is going to really test the waters. I would not be in the least surprised after that Jordan Love appearance against the Chiefs. If Green Bay moved Jordan Love, got a fifth, sixth round pick and re-signed Aaron Rodgers. Wouldn't be surprised. By the way, Aaron got some really, really ugly press not being vaccinated. It made him look too hip for the room and kind of selfish what is the one way to garner some affection not only in green bay but the nfl resign with the packers make an announcement i'm finishing my career in green bay feels like oh he's a team guy he's a family guy we got his back right after all that negative press what's the one thing he could do he'd be supported He'd have a fan base that loves him. I mean, hasn't he pissed off enough people? You go back to Green Bay, you sign a four-year deal, you move the money around, I'm all in. He wins another Super Bowl, he's got two first ballot Hall of Famer. He doesn't want to end his career like Favre and be choppy. I mean, I know we look at Tom Brady at Tampa and go, oh, this is the way it's going to work. It's not the way it works. Go back to Montana, go back to Favre. You can win some games. It's usually really choppy. I think Russell Wilson, on the other hand, folks, it's getting worse. I mean, Aaron's getting to NFC championships. Russell's one and done in the playoffs. Pete Carroll is 70. He's a defensive coach. He gave up two firsts for Jamal Adams. The offensive line is average. Green Bay's is almost always excellent. You watch Russell Wilson. It's not creative. Very little motion. Very dependent on him making a play with his feet. That is a story. I'm 50-50 on Russell Wilson as a Seahawk next year, and I think there's a lot of suitors. This week, there was an interesting moment during a press conference when Bengals head coach Zach Taylor said that he enjoys every couple of years going to Vegas and doing nothing but playing craps for 72 hours. No dinners, just craps, no shows. And I thought to myself, that's what he should do if he wants to ease the stress of coaching. Can you imagine saying that five years ago? Tony Romo in 2015 wanted to hold his fantasy football convention in Vegas and was told by the league he couldn't. It's amazing in this country what we fear. Gay marriage. It looks ridiculous now that for years and years that was in some eyes taboo. Sports gambling. Folks, it's a $4 billion industry before the Supreme Court. Ruled it was legal. They're doing it in Europe in stadiums for years. Legalization of pot. Did you know anybody that wanted to get high that couldn't? The things 20 years ago that we feared in America, you look at them now and it's embarrassing. If you ever fear something, ask yourself, What am I actually afraid of? What were you afraid of in gay marriage? What were you afraid of? That the world would become a bunch of potheads? Anybody that wanted to get high was getting high, and people that don't smoke pot, remember 30% of Americans don't drink. Just because you legalize drinking, there's still going to be 30% of people that don't drink. 70% of Americans never smoke pot. They're not going to rush to the store to smoke it once it's legal. And the fact that we feared gambling, anybody that wanted to put 50 bucks in a football game was doing it. Whenever you fear something, what are you truly fearing? That all of our athletes who are making millions a year would be throwing games again. Europe was ahead of us on gay marriage. Europe was ahead of us on legalizing pot. Europe was ahead of us on gambling and sports. (sighs) Take a deep breath. There's nothing to fear. NFL season has given us a big Week 11 divisional matchup. Rivals, the Arizona Cardinals and Seahawks. FanDuel Sportsbook's about to make it even bigger. They're giving new customers 30-1 to odds on either team to win. That means you can make $150 on a $5 bet. One of the things I love about FanDuel is the same game parlay. Uh, Two bets, great odds, one game. They got prop bets like Kyler Murray over on the passing yards or James Conner anytime touchdown. FanDuel makes sports betting simple. It's safe, it's secure, it's easy to use, the payout. I love betting the NFL on FanDuel. It's so easy. Plus, you win, 2 hours you get paid. $50. FanDuel is hooking all customers up when you refer a friend. Plus your friend gets $50 too. See for yourself. Just sign up, promo code Colin this week before the Cardinals take on the Seahawks. $150 and a $5 bet. Please use the promo code Colin. Exclusively on the FanDuel Sportsbook app. 21 plus and present in Arizona, Colorado, Indiana, Michigan, Jersey, Tennessee, and Virginia or West Virginia. Refund issued as non-withdrawable site credit that expires in seven days. Max refund 10 bucks. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbookfanduel.com. Same game parlay available for multiple sports in all states on mobile slash web. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Jersey, and Virginia. Or call 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. Tennessee Red Line is 1-800-889-9789. Or go to 1-800-GAMBLER.NET in West Virginia. Or call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text next step to 53342 in
0: Arizona. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. (laughs) Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card. Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with
2: Amex. Hi, let's talk about Pro Plan Sport. Pro Plan Sport is advanced nutrition made to fuel strength and stamina in active dogs like yours. So whether you're heading out to explore a new trail or looking to set a personal best on your daily run, start your journey off right with the high performance fuel your dog needs to keep pushing you every step of the way. Pro Plan Sport, discover the power of advanced nutrition for strength and stamina at ProPlanSport.com. That's ProPlanSport.com. like all-time NCAA scoring leader Caitlin Clark, Angel Reese, and many of the upcoming NFL and NBA first-round picks. If you're into cutting-edge digital collectibles, don't miss Panini's NFT platform at nft.paniniamerica.net with some of the first opportunities to collect this year's rookie class. Whether you're a collector of physical cards or a digital enthusiast, Panini has you covered. Check out the most popular trading card brands like prism select don russ and more for those nfl draft fans get real-time trading cards after players are picked with panini instant cards celebrating the biggest sports moments on cards right after they happen visit PaniniAmerica.net or download the panini direct app today panini america the official trading cards and nfts of the colin coward draft coverage All right, he's gonna be a little obnoxious. Matt Mosley, his Cowboys, covered him. One of my favorite bets of the week. I took four dogs and the Dallas Cowboys. Let's bring in Mosley, he's been covering the Cowboys forever. Baylor alum. So I want to I want to let people hear my drink. I poured my first cocktail. I'm not saying it's my last, Mosley, because I knew I don't pick favorites much in the NFL, but you could kind of feel this one. Dan Quinn. His old team, little chip on his shoulder. You know, it was funny, Matt, because it's not that Dallas lost. It, they were so physically dominated by Denver. You did have a feeling this week, I imagine, as somebody who covers the team, it did feel like they were going to bounce back. Was this kind of – I mean, it was so lopsided, but did you see it coming a little? Yeah, I'm glad to know you, uh,
3: you called this shot. Um, I – I did see it. I don't think I knew it was going to be this dominant, but I thought they were embarrassed. The Quinn factor. And of course they did the game ball and did all the things you would expect them to do after the game. But I, I think this one, um, I, when we're at the super bowl and we're hanging, where is it? You're part of the world in Los Angeles, um, this, if they, they'll look back at that Denver game, yeah. as a major, major crossroads sort of big moment. But I think the best thing for Cowboys fans is I think it's a freak out. It's one thing to get beat. I think there's a freak out factor when your quarterback looks that confused and yes. he's throwing those kinds of passes like I think we've sort of taken him for granted. And even you who doubted him for years. Yeah. has finally put him in that elite category. And so to see him backslide and have a horrible game is just weird today. He did everything he needed it to. They they were, their defense was dominant and the best thing yeah. you can say for them is they, they again, lost another really good player. Yeah. It's like a pretty heavy pour that you had there. Um, yeah. very They, strong pour. they, um, they lost Randy Gregory and I think we've covered this in the past. I mean, he's become one of their best players Oh, yeah. It didn't even seem like they missed him. Like, the you know, Atlanta and Atlanta early on looked like they were just going to throw to Kyle Pitts all day. It was like 17, 18, 17. And then they never did anything the rest of the game.
2: Yeah. You know, it's funny about this year, um, Matt. It's it's a really strange year. Brady gets shelled today. Russell Wilson, you know, can't score. Uh, last week, the Bills lost to the Jags. The Ravens beaten by Miami. Uh, the Rams have had a couple of stinkers at home. Carolina destroys Arizona, though it's not with Kyler Murray. But, you know, I was saying this in the prelude to you is that Tennessee and New England now, they don't have the ceiling of Buffalo. But Tennessee and New England are the most consistently good teams in the last month in the AFC. And I look over at the NFC. The Rams now without Woods. You cross your fingers on OBJ's health. Um, Their offensive line's been pushed around. Brady's in a little bit of a funk now, back-to-back games. Uh, You start looking at Green Bay. I think it's the best defense they've had in years. But I I haven't felt all year the offense is right. Last time I had you on, I said this. You take out one game. To me, Dallas is the most consistent team in the NFC. They really are. Uh, Arizona – um, I, I almost give them a bit of a pass, but I we don't have DeMarcus Lawrence. We've had injuries, Tyron Smith, mm-hmm. Michael Gallup. Like I I have historically been not anti-Cowboy, pretty cynical. This is the first year I can remember since one of Romo's early years that I'm like, well, oh, this team could win the Super Bowl. Do you feel that today? <laughs> Yeah, the Romo year you would have been talking about was
3: 2007 and, and they had a run and the Giants beat them at the end of the game, and they could they they could have caught a touchdown there and the Giants went on to win the Super Bowl. And so I do feel like that for the very reasons you talked about. I, I think some of these other teams are so flawed. And, you know, I, I I wrote about this for foxsports.com this week over on the I I thought, well. Why don't? What were they doing on the on the on the offensive line? And that's one thing that McCarthy's being very stubborn on. I thought he should leave the guy at right tackle, um, Terrence Steele. That Terrence Steele has been so good, and and you could you know, Lyle Collins could move over the left side. Well, today, Terrence still looked fine, and he just was a fish out of water last week. He'd never really played left tackle, and it felt completely wrong. Well, another thing that helps is that they have Joe Philbin as their old line coach. They have tried Jerry oddly enough doesn't always do great with assistant coaches. And sometimes they'll just put like ex-Cowboys players or people right. that just kind of aren't that qualified at some of these positions. McCarthy's put together an adult staff. And and so they've got a really good old you know old line, uh, old line coach, in Philbin. And, and so think about this. What they have is sort of Part of their staff are filled head coaches, and that sounds like I'm making light of it. But the truth is, they've sort of seen it, and they know the ups and downs of that. Quinn's been around great defenses. He's at one point we thought his Atlanta team, you know, they had a chance to win the Super Bowl. So they've sort of seen the top, and then Philbin saw the bottom when he was with with the Dolphins. But they're battle tested. And then they have they just have a perfect complement right now of of so I think their coaching staff is sort of something that's maybe not get, getting talked about enough and I would just say that you and you were one of the first people who brought this up Parsons is a maniac oh he's,
2: he's just easily mm-hmm. the best athlete on the field in virtually every Cowboy game I've seen
3: yeah, yeah.
2: in in he's impossible to block.
3: And this is a credit to McCarthy or Quinn, whoever came up with this. So they made the decision to say, you know what? Why don't we let him just line up and go after people? It, it, it made, you know, it made a lot of sense. They gave a safety Jaron uh, curse the mic and his helmet, and they said, let's just, I mean, that's a lot for a rookie to do, to have to relay the play, get everybody lined up, let's give it to a veteran, and now they have this journeyman veteran, I mean, think about all these guys that are playing starring roles, there's a guy named Casey, you know, he was number 18 out there, Curse is number 27, Wilson's number 6, and they're just like random, sort of okay, fringe-type players from the past, and Quinn's got them all like mesh together playing really well. Like Vander Esch was supposed to be some great linebacker. Well, he's not that guy, but he's fine. He made plays today. They couldn't run on the Cowboys. And then in the, in the, what's happened is Diggs is so great at his timing and everything. One thing that had slipped against Denver and even the previous week against Minnesota was their takeaways had gone down. Yep. And then today they had a bunch of those. And I do think those yeah. things kind of come in bunches and, That's another thing. Sometimes I have to try a little too hard to find things to brag on McCarthy. But one of the things that he's been good at at Green Bay and now with the Cowboys is turnover margin. And that's nothing to sneeze at. I mean, that's a
2: pretty huge thing in the NFL. You know, I was thinking about this. I've always had this belief. Like I have certain beliefs to be true. Young teams can't win NBA finals. Why? Because the refs swallow their whistles and more physical thicker older players push around kids we saw it last year milwaukee with the Suns. Uh, we saw it with the lakers in the bubble against miami that's one of my theories you can't win a championship as a young team in the nba because the refs swallow their whistles big advantage older stronger players in baseball can't win a world series with a bad bullpen you can't be giving up runs in the seventh eighth ninth can't win in the nfl to win a super bowl you need like six Players, minimum six to seven players having great years, like playmakers. So I'm gonna I'm gonna give you the Dallas players I think are playmakers. All right, All right. Zeke has become a playmaker again. C.D. Lamb has become a playmaker again. Micah Parsons is a playmaker. Trayvon Diggs is a playmaker. Randy Gregory is a playmaker, and and I would say Dak is a playmaker. Um, I don't know the health of Demarcus Cousins, but I think Dallas is now, in my opinion, is now qualifying. As a Super Bowl team, um, where they have like six guys that can make a play against the Rams, against Brady, CeeDee Lamb, Zeke, Dak, Micah Parsons, Trayvon Diggs, absolutely Randy Gregory, and, you know, potentially Demarcus Lawrence whenever he comes back. Am I missing anybody? Is there an unsung hero on this Dallas team? Well, you know, Schultz has been – I mean, Mm -hmm. he's
3: come on and and he has become somewhat of a weapon. It's not every week, but Dak loves him. And I think Pollard's a playmaker. I mean, I think he's just flat out, you know, you get him in space and he can do so so many things. I mean, this is a team that honestly, compared to a lot of these other teams, is, is, I think, loaded. And Zeke even said something to that effect today. We're that team. But we just have, we can't afford to have these, you know, kind of like what happened to them last week. But no, I think you, I think you pretty much, I think you covered it. And, um, and I, and I think that's enough to do something pretty special if you have that kind of, um, if you have that many playmakers. And I think they're, um, I, I, I just sensed it today after the game. I think there was a certain amount of embarrassment, anger, and then Fangio got them fired up. I mean, Vic saying, I don't know sure. why, you know, everybody, nobody's played them the right way. And from a coaching standpoint, all the coaches took a little offense to that. And, and the, the Atlanta Falcons had to bear the brunt of, of that.
2: All right, we bring in Tom Curran, who's been a Patriot insider for NBC Sports Boston. Uh, When I lived in the Northeast, uh, there's a lot of Patriots and Red Sox talk. uh, And he was the guy I really relied on very quickly. uh, If Tom said it, it was true. Covering the Patriots in the NFL since the 90s, mid to late 90s. And I tried to bring him on a few times a year. And I thought this was really an interesting time because, um, you know, you get these narratives and they stick. And, Tom, I want to start – and my takeaway on Mac Jones was he got the best landing spot. New England didn't give up picks to get him. Um, best coach in football, arguably best coordinator, always a top 10 offensive line, good running game. And they've done a good job, especially on the defensive side, to draft and develop players. And they'd spent some money on free agency. So, my takeaway is, listen, there's there's some limitations on off-script plays. He's not a, He's not Justin Fields. Uh, but, uh, and if you look at the the numbers, a lot of checkdowns, a lot of safe stuff, but he's gotten out of the crappy throw portion of the rookie quarterback. And that's a big thing. It's not that rookie quarterbacks can't play, but the first year to two of your career, it's that, oh, good hell throw. And he had it for about a month. He didn't. <laughs> he didn't? He didn't. That's what's whacked about this. Old, you seem very subdued,
4: so let's ratchet it up. He never did it. It was crazy, and that's what I – look, I said, Colin, right before the draft when he was being bandied about, I said, the Patriots already have Mac Jones on the roster. His name's Jarrett Stidham. I didn't think he was going to be this freaking good. It was like he was shooting yeah. a barrel in Alabama. Then he gets here, and he looks so good during minicamp, and I talk to people who are involved with the team and closely involved with Mac, and they tell me I've never seen a rookie this advanced, year. And he goes out and he beats back what was actually a pretty good challenge from Cam Newton in training camp by every friggin' day, just making throw after throw. It intersected perfectly with where guys were supposed to be. Yeah, you're right. He had uh, games against Carolina and the Chargers back to back. They like, what's? Wh- why are you getting jumpy? What's with the happy feet? What's with the the inaccurate throws? That's not you. And then he bounces back against Cleveland. So. To me, honestly, the thing about him, as it relates to the other guys who came in, Mac plays like a five-year veteran. A good five-year veteran. Not a great five-year veteran, a good one. And I said this the other day. If you put all these five guys in a class and had Josh McDaniels teach it, and they passed in their tests every week, Mac would always be around 93. You might see Trevor Lawrence around 88 at this juncture. You might see... Justin Fields at eighty five, you might see Zach Wilson around seventy, and Trey Lance around seventy two, but Mac would always be turning in 93s because he knows WTF he's doing out there at all times. It's wild.
2: I think every great coach has a hole, and one of the the power dynamic for coaches that win Super Bowls can change. So Pete Carroll, Paul Allen dies, the owner. His sister, who's not a sports fan, takes it over. And there's a weird power dynamic in Seattle the last couple of years where Pete is controlling the draft and he's not a great drafter. Right. Belichick, after maybe four five Super Bowls, I was always told about January. He'd call off the scouts and say, I've got it from here. And I'd been very critical about Bill is that I don't think I think each job is incredibly strenuously hard coach and GM. And then I read a story, Tom, it may have been from you about six months ago, where he was going to back off a little and relinquish some power in the draft. Well, Mm -hmm. they had a great draft. Three of their top four picks are starters and really high-end starters. Just address that because you've been one of the few voices in that area that has said, hey, man, we don't draft skill people very well. It's a hole in the franchise. What's wild is there is – I hate to say
4: arrogance because it really connotes that, you know, just on the underling's attitude. I don't think Bill has that. But at the, in his, into his 60s, he is so confident in his system, in his ability, in his coaching staff's ability, and in the players that he selects that he's looking for a certain kind of player. You remember a few years ago, Urban Meyer recounted a story at Ohio State, and he tells the players, he says, look, Bill Belichick told us he doesn't want to coach a-holes anymore. He's going to coach players he likes to have. So that's why you see a guy like Jordan Richards in the second round from Stanford. Great guy. Or you see uh, Joan Williams, a great personality out of in the second round out of Vanderbilt. Or Cyrus Jones in the second round. Or Duke Dawson in the second round. Just this feeling that I, I can do what I want here with these picks because I feel confident that I'm going to get it right because I'm that good at it. Well, there was a beautiful safety net in Tom Brady. But Bill felt like, you know, even the Seth Wickersham book, and, and it was even indicated to me, look, we can succeed with just about anybody. Tom's great because we have a system in place. And I think it got, you know, to a point where Bill's drafting guys from different places and, you know, whether it be Rutgers for a long stretch and, and Arkansas or Michigan. And he never had this wide net, especially in the last decade. it brings in Elliot Wolfe. And Nick Casario leaves, and all of a sudden, all those hats that Nick wears, where Bill and Nick could get into a room and say, who do you like? And Nick would never say, look, he wouldn't say poop if he had a mouthful half the time with Bill. He just did what Bill wanted. So now, and this was told to me too, Nick would only give his opinion if Bill went to him, and Nick didn't know what Bill's opinion already was. So that was a hard thing. So Bill didn't hear pushback. And I think Bill voluntarily opened it up and said, we're we're going to collaborate a little bit more, but you know the owner talked about it. Bill talked about it, kind of openly. They did. They opened it up and made it more collaborative. And I don't think, as you point out, it's not a coincidence. You're exactly right. I'm not going on too long. This is a podcast. So I'm kind of no. That-
2: no, I love it. No, I mean, listen, Ramondre Stevenson's a home run. He's been terrific. A Barrymore from Alabama who was good as a freshman at Alabama. I saw him as a freshman. I'm like, oh, my God, he's good. And then mac has been good. So three of their four. And, and Bill's not somebody that is just going to insert a really talented rookie into the starting lineup. These are players. These are really high-end players. And I've always said this. as I loved Mike Holmgren, bad mm-hmm. drafter. Pete Carroll's a Hall of Famer, bad drafter. Belichick, there's a you have to remote, remove yourself emotionally from drafting. Coaches can generally what will help me win now? GMs are mm-hmm. like, okay, it's a developmental player. AJ Dillon can't help us now, mm-hmm. but he's going to be really good in 18 months. And it, for Green Bay, he, he, you know, a coach would be like, I got Aaron Jones. I don't need AJ Dillon. And the Packers are like, yeah, but Jamal Williams is a free agent in a year. You're going to need him. And so GMs draft differently. It can piss off your quarterback, Aaron Rodgers. It can drive the coach nuts. But generally speaking, GMs are better at the GMing than coaches are.
4: And that's what's interesting when they're two, the two are folded together. Because, you know, Bill's spending spree this offseason, Colin, is going to visit on him. You know, next offseason, for instance, J.C. Jackson is going to be a $90 million a year cornerback. They got nobody in the system who's J.C. jackson level. Maybe he'll emerge. They've already picked up the 50-year option on Isaiah Wynn for $10 million. So he's played at a C-minus level all year, even though he had a decent game the other other day. You have some massive cap hits from Johnny Smith and Hunter Henry and Nelson Aguilar. So they're not going to be able to shop like they did. What they did, pushing that cart through the aisles and loading it up, that's what they're going to have to play with for a little while.
2: Do you think if Brady and Belichick sat down today, how would it go?
4: It's funny, I was talking to somebody about that earlier today, Colin. I think that they both are exactly where they want to be, and that meeting that they had for about 20 minutes after their game was probably really cathartic for both of them. You know, Belichick didn't do it on the field where everybody could see him. He went into the Tampa Bay locker room after the game, knowing that after a night game, your entire team wants to get the hell out of there, get on the buses, get on the plane, and fly back wherever it is it's the middle of the night. But they took twenty minutes and sat there and talked, and Belichick likes to tie things off, and the Patriots at that point still hadn't gotten to a place where they were building momentum. They might have been one and two or one and three at that point, either way. that was important to Bill because he kind of needed Tom inside the tent peeing out as opposed to outside the tent peeing in, so they had the embrace yeah. Brady loves to have closure, and you even see this with the man in the arena and the the Drew Bledsoe revisionist history that's going on with that was a contentious time. Yeah. Bledsoe didn't roll over. He handled it as classily (laughs) as anybody possibly could have, but he didn't say, wow, I guess the kid's good. He can take it. Cut it out. (laughs) So, um, I think that they are both where they want to be, Colin, to answer the question. They're both where they want to be.
0: You'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash
2: with Amex. Hi, let's talk about Pro Plan Sport. Pro Plan Sport is advanced nutrition made to fuel strength and stamina in active dogs like yours. So whether you're heading out to explore a new trail or looking to set a personal best on your daily run, start your journey off right with the high-performance fuel your dog needs to keep pushing you every step of the way. Pro Plan Sport. Discover the power of advanced nutrition for strength and stamina at ProPlansport.com. That's ProPlansport.com. Thank you to our friends at Panini America, the official trading cards and NFTs of the 2024 Colin Coward draft coverage, Panini America delivers a premier collecting experience with the most sought-after NFL, NBA, FIFA, and WNBA trading cards. Whether you're chasing rookie sensations or collecting timeless legends, Panini's got it. Panini America is also breaking new ground in NIL, featuring some of the biggest names in college sports, like all-time NCAA scoring leader Caitlin Clark, Angel Reese, and many of the upcoming NFL and NBA first-round picks. If you're into cutting-edge digital collectibles, don't miss Panini's NFT platform at nft.paniniamerica.net with some of the first opportunities to collect this year's rookie class. Whether you're a collector of physical cards or a digital enthusiast, Panini has you covered. Check out the most popular trading card brands like Prism, Select, Don Russ, and more. For those NFL Draft fans get real-time trading cards, After players are picked with Panini Instant Cards celebrating the biggest sports moments on cards, right after they happen, visit PaniniAmerica.net or download the Panini Direct app today. Panini America, the official trading cards and NFTs of the Colin Coward Draft coverage.
1: This is Amy Brown from Four Things with Amy Brown. Today, Healthier is happening at CVS Health in more ways than you've ever seen. To see more, visit cvshealth.com slash healthierhappenstogether. CVS Pharmacy, Oak Street Health, CVS Specialty, Signify Health, and Aetna are part of CVS Health. Eligibility and services vary by location and individual.
2: All right, I bring in Chad Millman, Chief Content Officer of the Action Network. I had a, a, a steaming hot week. Farrell. very good. I was First of all, I've hit 11 of 12 college picks. On FanDuel, I'm on fire. And uh, I had a very good NFL week. So I want to start with this because I never in my history like big favorites. And I've taken a big favorite four weeks in a row and I've hit on three of them. So there is not a big favorite I love this week. I I I, I thought the Browns at minus 10 was interesting. 11 and a half, I'd probably stay away. But the Chargers at five and a half. Now, it's minus six and a half now is interesting to me. So, listen, the Steelers simply aren't good enough offensively to go to a clear, mediocre backup. Mason Rudolph's not just a backup. He's not a top 10 backup. And a Charger team, now that Kansas City, little bit of a reboot, this Charger team's got a couple of close losses. Minnesota's better than we think. This is my big favorite of the week. I like the Chargers minus five and a half to six and a half. Sharper square. It's
5: kind of square.
2: Is it? Ah. Yeah. I'm, hip, I'm too say. hip to be square. Or was that a song?
5: You're way too hip to be square. But the wise guys, they like the Steelers in this spot. I think um, even if Mason Rudolph isn't playing, I mean, if, if Ben Roethlisberger isn't playing, they like the Steelers in this spot. Mike Tomlin is rah, rah, Mike. This is when he wins. And I'm not just talking about as an underdog. He wins outright in these spots in his career. 25 and 14 outright as an underdog in this spot. This is a really good running team in the Steelers against a terrible running defense. It is a defense... We're still not sure about T.J. Watt, but it's still a really good defense against Justin Herbert, who all the rookie struggles that we thought he would have last year, he's starting to have this year. Defenses are adjusting and figuring him out. He's having some accuracy issues. Joey Bosa is going to be out of the game. Um, it's just not a, it's not a great spot for the Chargers, especially with the number climbing In fact, I've heard from plenty of guys who have said they're betting the Steelers outright on the money line.
2: Uh, I'm going to take the Cowboys, my favorite play of the week, plus the points against the Chiefs. And here's my reasoning. So it's two and a half to three. I would take both. So sometimes in life, we want something to be true. And so when we get a glimpse of what could possibly make it true, we put our arms around it and go confirmation bias. This is true. We want Kansas City's offense to be back. It's fun. It's flashy. We know their players. We had them on our fascinating teams. We like Andy Reid. Beating a chaos-laden Raiders team with an interim head coach, the second worst football team in the last 19 years in the league to the Cleveland Browns, does not mean they're back. It means the Raiders are, as they've done in recent years, have no depth and are falling apart and have... Like a backup quarterback, an interim coach, you get about three good weeks of him, and then he's exposed. People now have film on what the Raiders can't do. Dallas does many things well. The Chiefs allow a quarterback passer rating of 100, and that includes the Jordan Love game. I think Dak's going to have his way. They're going to move the ball effectively. The Blitzes won't be nearly as effective to a heavy weaponized team. And I think Dallas wins comfortably, sharper square. Square.
5: Uh, the This is one of those, you can just see it in the numbers. The, the bets are coming in on the Cowboys. The money is coming in on the Chiefs. Uh, it's why the line opened at two and a half and has been bet up to three. Um, there have been some interesting things happening with the Chiefs. Mahomes has said outright, it's not in his nature to do what he's been asked to do the past few weeks. And don't sleep on the Chiefs. The past few weeks, they found their way into winning and they have found their way into being contention in the AFC West when they were in last place just a few weeks ago. They're taking what the defense is giving them now. They're taking the short passes. They're emphasizing the run and it's giving them the opportunity to set up the longer plays, which is obviously what Mahomes wants to do. And he wants to score in those bunches. He wants those big chunk plays This plays into the advantage of a very aggressive defensive secondary, right? Trayvon Diggs, their their defensive, their cornerback, who's lighting up the world with all his interceptions, also gives up some of the biggest plays in football. And now Dallas is missing its top two pass rushers, including Randy Gregory, who is out and has probably been one of the three best pass rushers in the league this season. Then you've got Orlando Brown, who's finally playing better after being signed from the Ravens to be the new left tackle. For the Chiefs, the defense, it's not good, but at least it's not as bad as any defense in history anymore. Now it's just a little bit worse than average. Um, So I feel like if you're getting Mahomes at a field goal or less, that's kind of an advantage. And the wise guys see it that way.
2: I would take the Seahawks plus points at home against the Cardinals. And here's my reasoning. Arizona has a bye after this week. What's the point of bringing Kyler Murray back? Once the Rams lost, you don't have to worry about the divisional lead. You rest Kyler Murray for two weeks. Russell Wilson desperate at home getting
5: points against a backup. I think I take Seattle, sharper square. 100% sharp side. Um, the line has moved in their direction. The money is on their side. The bets are on the Cardinal side. Kyler Murray's still not a guarantee to start. DeAndre Hopkins didn't practice. This week, you've got Pete Carroll and Russ coming off of a loss that plays in their favor. In the last five games, the Seahawks defense, like the Chiefs, it started to improve, right? They're giving up fewer points every week. They're giving up fewer points to offenses that are really good, say, the Rams and the Packers, and they're doing what they're supposed to do against offenses that aren't very good, say the Saints and the Jags. So those are really good signals for them. Um, And here's an interesting trend, and you take it for what it's worth, but it's a big enough sample size. Since 2003, teams that are shut out against the spread, teams that are shut out, then playing against teams that aren't coming off a bye, 41, 20, and three. The nice spot.
2: I would take the Saints plus one and a half at the Eagles. I think the Saints defense is really, really elite. Jalen Hurts is getting better. I think it's a coaching mismatch, but Jalen Hurts tends to be hot and cold. We don't really know what we get week to week. I think the the Saints in a very low scoring game win it outright. It feels very much, let's be honest about the Saints, take away a bad roughing the passer penalty against the Titans, and they could have won that game. It's a very good football team. We've seen them beat Tampa. We've seen them beat Green Bay. They should have beaten Tennessee. One of my stronger bets, I like the Saints plus the points.
5: Yeah, uh, that's totally sharp. And the only other only guy, other than Mike Tomlin, you want to bet as an underdog over the past 20 years is Sean Payton. He's just he's a coaching mismatch against everybody. He's a great football coach. Uh, and as an underdog in this spot against an Eagles team, that defense is terrible. Uh, Jalen Hurts is inconsistent. Their running game is good. Here's the problem Saints are the number one rush defense in the NFL. And that is the only thing the Eagles can do really well. Since 2018, the Saints are 11 and 3 outright, meaning winning outright as underdogs. This is a top 10 team. In DVOA, which is a fancy way of measuring your skill and your stats against a strength of schedule metric. Philly is the middle of the pack. And you mentioned New Orleans. We loved them last week against the Titans. Um, they did us a solid by not converting a two point conversion into the other game. So we didn't have to sweat overtime. Um, I think the Saints are an outright win here. At the Volume Sports YouTube channel,
2: Twitter, Instagram, rate, review, subscribe. We'll talk soon. Get tickets now.